this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm digging back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is delight AK, who the Sean? fuck are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Correct. <laughs> we did 1984's Ghostbusters. One sh- year short of its 40th anniversary, which is which too is bad. on track for this podcast, honestly. <laughs> well, it is because you know what we did, what movie we did cover for its anniversary? I don't remember. I didn't study for this quiz. Ghostbusters 2. So. Fair enough. We jumped straight to the sequel and did not do the original. And I think the reasoning at the time was because, oh, everybody's seen Ghostbusters. I'll never find anybody who hasn't seen Ghostbusters. Surprise! And here we are. Uh, We found them, everybody. The one person. Yep, I, I wear that badge with honor. I yeah, that wouldn't stand. So we had to do it, even though this is one of those weird episodes where it goes against the entire purpose of the show in a way. Because yes, you're being introduced to it, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. There you go. So so we're pretty much just here to see what's it like for someone to watch Ghostbusters for the first time in 2023, because I saw this movie as recently as last year. So, hey, and, you know, what's funny is I I knew the premise. I knew who was in it. You know, I've seen the gifs and the memes and, you know, fine. But um, I still all out belly laughed when the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man showed up because I didn't realize I never connected that with all the pop culture references throughout my life that that was a part of it. For some reason, I was thinking that was part of the number two. Uh, So he showed up and I thought that was hilarious. And I even was commenting and my husband just rolled his eyes. God bless him. Because when um, Sigourney Weaver's eggs start popping and there was a bag of stay puffed marshmallows there. And I was like, Oh, that's gotta be an Easter egg. Is that from a different movie or something? Because I, I recognized that that uh brand name and he's just like looking at me like oh you sweet summer child (laughs) because i recognize stay puffed marshmallows like i knew that phrasing but i honestly had no idea it originated with this movie i assume your husband has already ridden the ghostbusters train before numerous times yeah numerous times yeah my wife is a big fan as well very similar like when I was, a, there was this glorious stretch of time when I was a kid that I'm sure I've talked about when we covered Star Wars and Indiana Jones, where my parents just like seemingly jumped on the fact that I, I was watching movies and enjoying movies. So I was probably like nine or 10. And there was this stretch of time where just like they, we rented Ghostbusters and they're like, oh, you got to watch Ghostbusters. It's so good. And I watched Ghostbusters and was like, oh, my God, that was so good. And then they would go back to the video store, return Ghostbusters and go, we got you fucking Star Wars. Now you got to watch Star Wars. <laughs> and I went, this is good, too. And they went, guess what? There's two more. And I went, oh, my God. And then we got Indiana. J- this all happened over the course of about a month. 
Oh, man. So that one month in the year of 1993 or 1994 shaped my tastes in everything for the rest of my life. Because that stretch of time, I acquired four movies that are still in my list of all-time favorites. Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Ghostbusters, Back to the Future. Damn, that's yep. that's a... That's a good one. I have that seen is. Back to the Future. I have seen that. I have not found that person yet. Oh, wait. I think I did. And we just haven't gotten to that yet. But I mean, yeah. in full disclosure, I saw Back to the Future for the first time at like five years ago. So, you know, it. This didn't bit. exist yet and we didn't know each other. So you are forgiven. Fair but enough. What else about Ghostbusters? Yeah, I think I watched the cartoon before I saw the movie. Timing wise, that makes sense because I was a big, big, big fan of the real Ghostbusters cartoon. Yeah. And and like this was a really odd movie for me because I hadn't seen it, but I'd kind of seen it through just pop culture life. You know, I knew about Slimer. I thought Slimer had a bigger piece to it because he was such a huge thing in the cartoon. Exactly. You know? And then and in so the Ghostbusters like, 2, he does a little bit more because, well, actually, not he really doesn't, but. He's just like kind of a goofy, look at Slimer, because in the cartoon, he's a nice guy. Yeah, and like I'd seen the cartoon numerous times. Like I don't remember anything specific about it, but I remember watching it. So like I was surprised that, you know, Slimer wasn't a bigger piece of it. I am still genuinely befuddled that the entire persona of Bill Murray in the 80s is just super creepy dude. Well, super creepy asshole who somehow is getting away with it. Yes, because like I watched Caddyshack for the first time not that long ago. And I was like, dude, you're kind of a dick. Okay, well, in Caddyshack, it's kind of different because he is supposed to be a creeper. But in this, you are supposed to go, God damn it, I love me that Peter Bankman. Whereas if you knew Peter Bankman in real life, I think you'd be like, you're a colleague at best. And I do not like spending time with you. Right. And Sigourney Weaver, like what about that man's persona was a panty dropper? I I just I don't get it. Their relationship is very unearned. Like at the end, it's a big deal because they kiss and they're together and their relationship is a big part of the second movie. But yeah, watching it today, it definitely does feel like there wasn't that moment where things. I mean, there's a couple of times where she giggles at his antics, like when he shows up after she goes to like the opera or whatever yeah when he's like dancing across that square yeah, and like, she's like oh and, and then he she even introduced oh he's just a friend i'm like what has he done to earn that label other than not wanting to leave your apartment Be and kind of forcing what? his way in yeah I mean, she did invite him over but he but then he, he took the reins the line and she's like you need to leave and he's like ah bill murray and everyone's yeah. like ah shucks and i'm like dude that's almost predatory you're weird and i don't like that well then let me ask you this ak who is the sexiest Ghostbuster? Mm, is it I, Winston? Winston. Uh, you know, I he, that is a sexy man. And I do appreciate the fact that he's just like, I will like what you pay me to like. Yeah. I, I fully appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that he's just like, I'm here for a paycheck, but I guess I'm all in. Yeah, his character is awesome. And a common thing is it's too bad he's not in it more. Apparently it's because that role was supposed to go to Eddie Murphy. So originally that character was in it with them from moment one. And then Eddie Murphy said, I don't really want to do this. So at that point they lessened the role and kind of Hmm. the three of them did more, but. But to be honest with you, I think I almost like that better. If I think back on how Eddie Murphy, especially early 
if that is technically early. Eddie That'd be Murphy's pretty early, yeah, comedy. 84. Yeah. yeah, because I think that would have been too much because you've got, I, I'm terrible at these names, so I'm actually Googling it quick right now. Dan so, Aykroyd, Harold yeah. Ramis. Yeah, so, you know, Dan Aykroyd, I, his character, I, I liked him. He was He was enjoyable. He was just very much the cookie cutter nerd. You know, he could spit out the jargon quick. He was all in. I personally think my favorite was Spangler simply because he was just so fucking staunch and weird and he embraced the weird. He was more as, you know, Dan Aykroyd was the dork. Whereas I thought that Spangler was the geek. If He's very confident. Yes. And I I love that. One of the first lines he has with Janine when she starts the job is, do you have any hobbies? And he says, I collect, uh, what is it? Fungus, spores, and molds. Just dead. And I I laughed. I mean, so I love that. And I think that if we would have thrown Eddie Murphy into that mix, I think it would have just turned into the Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy show. And the other two would have been lost. Yeah, I don't disagree. And I think Winston makes an an impression Mm -hmm. very quick. I think the Twinkie exchange is still my favorite part of that entire movie. (laughs) I've seen that movie 20 times and tell them about the Twinkie. What about the Twinkie still gets a little chuckle out of me because there's no reason for Bill Murray to immediately like, wait, what about the twin with no context? Yep. And just that whole like that. That's a big Twinkie. That whole scene. Gold. And then I also laughed really hard at Winston. He's like, this is not worth 11.5 a year. And I'm like, wait, what? Which and someone online like, adjusted for inflation. And it's still, it's man, even at 84, that was shit money. Which <laughs> is <laughs> interesting because the one job we see them go on, they get five grand. And right. then from that point on, I, I, I guess because they got five because it's a fancy hotel and that guy was a, as an asshole. So probably when they just go to some person's house and they have a ghost in the basement, it's, you know, maybe couple hundred bucks but still considering all of their publicity and everything and like i mean when he was you know spangler was doing the whole like scratch at his face show i always thought he was like meaning like 400 and then he throws out the thousand i'm like dang guys that's in 84 like yeah it seems so. like they should have been doing like janine even says at one point that she hasn't had a break in two weeks right so she would hypothetically be pulling in hell, hell of overtime but it is also insinuated the pay is shit yeah and, uh, and they're in a how- crazy debt. So, right? yeah, everybody has three mortgages nowadays. <laughs> Someone online I pointed to that, and I don't disagree. We never has summed up the premise. A group but of scientists bust ghosts. Only, you're talking to the only person on the face of the planet who hadn't previously seen this movie. So, exactly. I don't even have to do that. No, four yeah. scientists bust ghosts. Well, sorry, three scientists and. Winston, who's just there for the shit pay. I made the same mistake that the 2016 uh, reboot made, where the first trailer said, in 1984, four scientists saved the world, and they were eaten alive. (laughs) Winston wasn't a scientist! Winston wasn't a scientist! And so they changed it to Fred's. (laughs) I feel like the uh, Ghostbusters fan base would probably be even worse than the star wars fan base oh that's a bold statement uh i I mean i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm not even gonna walk that back as i think about what i said simply because with star wars it has been twisted and manipulated and massaged so much that i think you can get away with most shit whatever you say whereas ghostbusters even with those reboots and the legacy sequel that that's i mean that's pretty well set in stone i don't think you can really fuck with canon it's interesting because I feel like if someone asked me, what are the worst online movie discourses you have witnessed? 
those franchises probably take the top two spot. The Ghostbusters reboot, not the Afterlife one, the one with like Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig, uh, and Star Wars The Last Jedi. It was impossible to have a rational conversation about those movies and probably still is. As oh, recent, I, yeah. Like last month, a tweet was making the round about the, the 2016 version saying names. I dare you to name like or I challenge you to name one good thing about this movie. And like the thing about that movie is, is it gets fine. I haven't seen it. Strange. I know. But we saw it in the theaters in 3D and we got some good laughs and there's some good, like good fun sequences. Definitely leans. And it's ironic saying this because apparently the movie we were talking about here today is mostly made up completely on the spot. But the 2016 one definitely does have some improv bits that just feel like they go on and on and on. And they don't really have the straight person like this movie. Harold Ramis isn't like he's he's not playing it up like he has funny lines, but he's delivering them in a very matter of fact way. mm -hmm. Dan Aykroyd has some funny parts, but he is largely the straight man. Same with Winston. Bill Murray, you would point to as the funny one. Where in the reboot, I feel, you know, you got four comedians, so they're all the funny ones, and it just becomes a bit much. Yeah, and the thing is, is then I also kind of have a soapbox that when people get mad about reboots, well, okay, there's either two ways they can do it. They can use the premise and run with the premise and create something new, or they could go literally shot for shot for the old one. Nobody is going to be happy about either of those takes. And we have we have proof mm-hmm. there is a shot for shot remake of Psycho. And that movie is almost 30 years later, still pointed to as like, why the fuck would you bother doing that? Yep. But then at the same time, if you go play in the sandbox, you are ridiculed for ruining the original. So it's kind of like there's. Yeah. If you just like, oh, what if we made our own movie about four people who went out and hunted ghosts? Like, fuck you. Fuck Ghostbusters ripoff is like, OK, we'll just call it Ghostbusters. Fuck you. You can't make a fucking Ghostbusters movie. It's like, exactly. All right. <laughs> I mean, it's it's just kind of a case of I wish people would just enjoy what's on the screen. It's just, I mean, you're not here for the discourse. You are here to just lose two hours of your life doing something that might be enjoyable. Yeah. The okay. thing with the reboot remake thing, and again, I don't for a second buy into you know, everything's a remake. This no, it's not. Like, even just look at this year. One of the f- movies that made sixty million dollars, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> I really want to see that. It's pretty solid. <laughs> so just, podcast guest Kim absolutely adores that movie. Oh, so. yeah. I really want to see that because I'm sorry. That is just fucking ballsy and I love it. And like a universal out there getting it done because they did Megan. They did Violent Night. Like you can't tell me there aren't still original ideas. And yes, mixed in with that stuff is reboots and, and remakes. But and I, if you went back to 1984, I guarantee it's probably pretty much the, oh, Friday the 13th, part four, Nightmare on Elm Street, part, well, at that point it would have been part one, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a cliche to say, and we're really off track now, but no, because I'm we'll, actually, we'll circle I'm... back to sexiest Ghostbuster in a second, but um... the, the idea that the original still exists. Like, I think the Nightmare on Elm Street remake is straight trash. It has not affected affected my enjoyment of the original in any Mm -hmm. way. I also don't belittle the people that chose to make the remake because they thought they could do something and they didn't. But not because they, 
I think it's because that in that instance, they just didn't have enough originality and enough oomph to carry it. They thought they could fall back on the nostalgia. And I think you got to be careful with that too, because you have to have a reason for doing it versus a money grab. Exactly. You Yes. If like, that's my biggest issue with the nightmare remake. And I've talked about it before is every idea that they reuse is, is done worse. And mm-hmm. they have one original idea that could have made it interesting and then just decided not to use it. Yep. Yep. And I, I know we've talked about this. I, I think we actually talked about this when I was here because I hadn't seen the first one. And I've it took so long for us to record it that we'd watched the entire mm-hmm. franchise, my husband and I. Maybe. I don't But I know that we've talked about that distinctly. Yeah. Uh, and it's funny you bring up Friday the 13th because I knew that it was roughly around the same time as Ghostbusters. So I was curious which one like if they were made roughly simultaneously in the overarching timeline. Friday thought, and Ghostbusters? Yeah, because I or wondered, Friday and Nightmare. Or um no, um sorry, Nightmare and Ghostbusters. Same year, I think. Yeah, because what I'm curious about is um when Sigourney Weaver was being pulled into her kitchen for Zool, like they did the same Freddy like door oh, the, thing. Where, yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. Like immediately I saw that, I was like, is that a callback or is it's that a coincidence? Original? I think. Yeah, so. I feel like these movies were in production at the same time. Yeah, but I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously being a, a pro- so uh, wait, did we conclude Winston is the sexiest Ghostbuster? Oh. Followed closely by Spangler. I love me a dork. Yeah, and that confidence goes it, a long right? way. That is the thing is if you can be that off, nor like it, just that off from the basic. You can't anybody can't hear see my air quotes, but know that that i'm saying that being off the normal heartthrob and still own the heartthrob confidence god that's sexy too bad though it's just realizing winston's the only one who doesn't get any any play in this movie everyone else gets a little something Ackroyd doesn't he gets a fucking ghost blow job oh that's true that's in a in what i think is a dream sequence in fairness that was a very weird one because i was just like like by the time I had processed what was occurring, we just moved on and nobody talked about it. I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah. How? Yeah. Th- oh, okay. <laughs> oh wait, it is a dream sequence, isn't it? Because yeah. doesn't it immediately show the then real he, world? Like, falls he- out oh of bed yeah, okay. Or something? Right, yeah, ba- so. yeah. Okay, I'm back. Um, yeah, I watched that probably with my mom, and I wouldn't have even understood that joke until mm-hmm. several viewings later. At yeah. the time, I was probably just like, is she helping him get into his PJs? <laughs> well, and I, I also struggled just for a hot second. And granted, I was super tired when we watched the movie. So this might be more of an ache. It's too bad. This is. Oh, yeah. You revealed uh, uh, you revealed off mic. I did. You had dozed off for a chunk of this movie. So it would have been interesting <laughs> if there was that scene. And when I just said what no, I said, you no, went, it wasn't. wait, what? Um, it was actually because I yeah, I fell asleep. I think it was like for 10, 15 minutes and it wasn't like solid where it was like the whole like woke up and then all of a sudden I was having to wake up again like I struggled for about 15 minutes and then I you know kind of repositioned on the couch woke up and then the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man showed up and I was all in uh, but it was right at the point when the EPA douchebag was like throwing a temper tantrum mm. and then I faded out there and then all of a sudden we were on top of the apartment building and Sigourney Weaver looked strangely like David Bowie yeah so I missed that little well that wasn't Sigourney Weaver that was Gozer Sigourney Weaver was a dog by that point. That's right. But she totally looked like Sigourney Weaver. And I thought it was Sigourney Weaver and David Bowie. And I was confused, but I was like, whatever, they're shooting, they're crossing the streams. And that's cool though. 
I feel like as a kid, I probably didn't get a get a whole lot from the story. It's mm-hmm. weirdly like con- kind of convoluted. <laughs> like there's a it lot is. of different players. It's like okay, so there's goes of the Garz- Garzarian, goes of the Gar- something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like okay, so to summon Gozer, you need the Keymaster and the Gatekeeper, and they're gonna bone on a rooftop, and then they're gonna become dogs, and then. The building was built by Shandor and Shandor did this to worship Gozer and summon Gozer. It's like, fuck, there's a lot. That is some Dan Aykroyd shit. That stuff. Yep. yep. And I did not. I kind of got to the point where I was trying to follow. And then I was like, you know what? I don't think all that matters in the long run. So I just kind of was like, whatever. I'll just will if you keep going with the franchise. And apparently we're going to be watching number two tonight because I never made it past the baby on the ledge. So I never saw that. Two gets a lot of shit, but I like it. I think I actually watched. <clears throat> I, I think I watched it more as a kid because it was closer in tone to the cartoon. Mm. Okay. Well, hey, Wait, there's a question for you. Do you think this movie, in any capacity, is scary? Different coming at it as an adult, I'm sure, but. Um, I think that it could be scary at the beginning with the librarian in the New York Public Library, where all of a sudden you go. That I could see that that being a little scary, but her being dragged by the, in the chair definitely freaked me out as a kid. Yeah, I could see that. Like all the hands coming out, that yeah. was I could definitely see that being quite scary. Um, but then I think after we get that, because you know those pieces were still pretty anchored in reality. I mean, yeah, we're talking about ghost hands coming out of furniture, but it's still the the setting overall was more realistic. So I think that was scary. Whereas then when we talk about, you know, being up on top of the apartment building, I mean, that was just a lot of fantastical. So I think it was easier to, as a child, to potentially separate yourself from that and go, oh, this is a silly movie. Whereas if all of a sudden you're sitting in your living room, you know, the next day going, oh my God, our hand's going to come out of this chair. That I think is harder for a child. At least it was for me. And they don't punctuate it with a joke. No, a lot of the other ones they do, like when they try and capture the librarian ghost Mm -hmm. and the librarian goes all scary face, it cuts to like wacky piano music as they comedically run away. Right. So, I mean, that softened the blow. You'd have a little bit of a jump scare there, but I think that softened it. But yes, the hands coming out of the chair, that was surprisingly scary for the rest of the tone. Yeah. And the other scene that I think freaked me out a little as a kid is when, uh, Rick Moranis Tully is running away from the dog mm-hmm. and like it traps him against the glass of the restaurant, but then it's punctuated with the joke that no one inside the restaurant gives a fuck that they just watched the dude get attacked by a giant monster dog. Yep. Uh, which I also had no idea Rick Moranis was in this movie. Oh, he's so good in this movie. Didn't know that. All of a sudden he popped out and I was like, ah! That scene where he's hosting the party for his uh, tax clients oh, God, and he I just laugh. walks around in one take and is like, oh, this guy's it. Completely improvised, apparently. Yeah, like they just filmed and like, let him go. It's, yeah, and he only owe, um, they only owe fifteen thousand left on a seven point nine percent. So these are good people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that whole yeah, he's yeah, he's apparently John. That was supposed to be John Candy playing really? that role. But yeah, I don't can't picture anyone yeah. but Rick Moranis. No, no. I mean, and don't get me wrong. It. I like John Candy, and my God, that man was good at improv. But I think I think he would have made it too big, and it was fun that it was that little cute nerdy guy. Yeah, he he's in the they obviously he was very popular. So in the sequel, he's get ready, much more of him. Cool, I like that. I'm not mad about that because I also think he does. 
he does it nicely because I think that type of a character can get really over the top and really sickening easily. But I think if you kind of listen to what he was saying instead of just focusing on his mannerisms, that's where it was so funny. Some of the stuff he was saying versus just being the typical dorky, you know, I have a crush on you neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. They, a lot of good character work in this movie. Mm -hmm. And obviously like the chemistry between the three leads is peak. There's lots of, just funny, subtle little things. There's a moment I've always particularly loved where they're going up to fight Slimer and they're talking about how they have, you know, we have each of us has an unlicensed nuclear accelerator yeah. strapped to our backs. And when they switch Dan Aykroyd on, he, uh, Harold Ramis kind of starts doing this shuffle to the back of the elevator, therefore shoving Bill Murray closer to Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> and there's just like, it again, it just feels like that's something they did in the moment. Apparently it's a miracle the movie even came together because they were all just kind of winging it on the spot. But you can't tell. The seams are not there. No, I very much agree with that because sometimes you can really see it rough around the edges and like one person's all in and the others are just like, I guess we're here. I, I do agree with that. I Again, I, I did struggle with Bill Murray's character just because he was such a dick. But well, even his, and I find the scene, the, I'll tell you what the, what is it? I'll t- uh, what's the word he uses? I'm just trying to figure, uh, oh, you want to know? I'll tell you what the blank, it's pissing me off. I'm trying to think of what is, it's not the results. I'll tell you what the something uh, is. I don't know. I know what scene you're talking about, but I yeah, yeah, but like the whole scene is Bill Murray running a fake experiment so he can hit on a college girl, basically. Yep. Yeah, that was just like that was like I love how again how the tonal just the tone of the world has shifted positively because like that was the way we were introduced to his character in this movie and we're all supposed to be like ah oh, look at you, you lying to women scam. to get laid and now to me I was just like oh I hope a ghost eats you <laughs> well a ghost slimes him I mean there's that but yeah it, it was just amazing how that level of comedy expectation has shifted because now looking at it you know almost 40 years later it's like wow that is not really funny but no okay. he'd be the he'd be the villain in a lot of yeah exactly. okay and then one thing my perception was when he went to sigourney weaver's apartment um you know when they were supposed to which another thing he like basically forces her to cancel whatever plans he had so he could come over at 9 p.m on a thursday night to share his findings with her and she's like okay Anyway, um, but yeah, when he shows up and she's like, are you the gatekeeper? I feel like he pretty much almost tried to sexually assault her when she was comatose. It was weird. And I, oh. yeah, like that. Maybe I'd so have fine. to go back because I, when I was watching it, because like didn't when, pick up so much on that. It seemed pretty much from moment one. He was like, oh, I don't like this. He, he didn't. But then they also did like, it, I almost feel like it was implied because like when they cut to when she's laying on the bed, they have to like pan across all these discarded clothing. And then she's laying on the bed and he's kind of like propped up next to her. And then he's like, don't get out of bed. And he was like kissing her neck. And then he leaves. And I'm like, did oh. you, did you just bone her? And you, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe they, i need to go back and revisit that but mm-hmm. that which was... i think is interesting in and of itself because that was my first time watching it and that is immediately the conclusion i drew and so it's interesting to see how much nostalgia can color your perception of it because like 
I can see that you're surprised by that because like that's never been your take from when you've watched it before because you've seen it through the you know nine-year-old child eyes. And so seeing it brand new as an adult, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure you just sexually assaulted her. I'm gonna go back after this and see if see if I pick up on it more if I'm looking for it. But yeah. Yeah, because like I because like I said, I feel like it was implied because they did the pan across the discarded clothing. And then they focus on them in bed. And yeah, he's kissing her neck. Don't go away. Don't get out of bed. And ha ha he he. Um, no. Hmm. I'd say more to come. I don't know if I'm going to. I was actually just looking at the TV to be like, is the disc still in there? Could I just check <laughs> live? But, like, it's, we'll but it's not. Back together. <laughs> I put it back in the box set. Uh, but I'll yeah. add it as a show note to be like, I did go back. I don't see it or yeah. Yeah. So I, I like, that was kind of the, where I was immediately like, huh. And then I also found it really interesting too, that um, because Bill Murray was perceived as the sexy ghostbuster, even though obviously it was Winston, but because of that, um, when the shaving cream scene, it's ectoplasm, but it's, it's shaving cream. All three of the other ghostbusters are covered head to toe, can barely distinguish who they are. And Bill Murray's got like, you know, yeah. it's kind of like when, you know, in the fight scene that the the heroine gets the little splash on her cheekbone, you know, just accentuate. It was like, oh, really? I mean, I think the story there is just they were like, OK, we need to cover you all with this marshmallow shaving cream. And Bill Murray went, no, yeah, you're not exactly. you're not doing that. So it's played out as a joke in the movie that he walks out and he's just fine. But, yeah, I think the actual story is Bill Murray went, oh, no, you're not putting that shit on me. <laughs> Which is a shame because I think it would have been so much funnier if all four of them would have been covered head to toe because the fact that one of them escaped it kind of detracted from the overarching funniness. Yeah, like Bill Murray has been pretty notoriously not down on the franchise, but he wasn't a huge fan of part two. And then Dan Aykroyd really wanted to make a third and everyone was on board except Bill Murray kept saying, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. So for the longest of this time, like... I was like, okay, there's never going to be a Ghostbusters 3. And then every now and then, Dan Aykroyd usually would come out and say, oh, I don't know. We got something. We got something. Nope. So he really, really wanted to. And then they made a video game that basically was Ghostbusters 3. And they actually got everyone, including Bill Murray, to come back and voice the characters. And then Bill Murray had a cameo in Zombieland that maybe or maybe not has a big Ghostbusters reference. And then, of course, slight spoilers. Everyone's back on board for the one that they released a couple of years ago. But... Yeah, he, I mean, all stories seem to indicate that Bill Murray behind the scenes is probably not the nicest dude. So hearing him yeah. say, like, you're not putting a bunch of fucking shaving cream on me is not terribly mm-hmm. out of character. Well, and it is interesting because I've heard those same stories about how he's, you know, as a human being, he's not the greatest. And it is interesting as soon as I hear that and then watch him in any movies, I can kind of just see that under the surface bubbling disdain where it's like, are you really here having fun or I, I don't know. I've, I've, I mean, here it seems like he is. Yeah. I've de- yeah. I, I, I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on the second. Cause it definitely seems like that one was a little more of a, I don't want to be here situation, mm-hmm. but it does seem like this one is born out of. We really want to make this movie. Yeah. And see, and I've just, I've never been on the Bill Murray train. I know that he had this resurgence not that many years ago where everyone's like, oh my God, fucking Bill Murray. And I'm like, he just kind of seems like a dick. 
<laughs> yeah, it's definitely one of those separate the art from the artist kind of yeah. things. I love a lot of Bill Murray movies, this one included, obviously. But and, you know, you do hear the stories about how he just shows up at random karaoke parties and does karaoke with a bunch of strangers all night. And you're like, that's pretty cool. But then you'll hear the story about how he screamed at Lucy Lou on the set of Charlie's Angels. And you're like, well, that's far less cool than the karaoke right. thing. So, yeah. And I mean, and don't get me wrong, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. I can absolutely see myself watching it again. I'm going to really love when my kid is old enough to really appreciate it and we watch it together because I think it's just it's a fun movie. It's it. I laughed out loud numerous times. Um, I love Janine. She was great. Yep. So what you're saying is Bustin made you feel good. Yes. That, you, you, you do know that's a line in the song and I'm not just saying weird stuff, right? I know. I know. Okay. I, I, what, it's, it's funny you should say that because I'm going to give, I'm going to repeat this quote. I'm telling you now, this is my quote for when you have to say, I have to quote the movie. Um, but I was brushing my teeth last night and I swear my husband, I saw in his eyes, he contemplated divorce for a third of a second simply because I looked at him. I'm like, I totally didn't know that I ain't afraid of no ghost was not, was from Ghostbusters. He's like, what did you think it was from? I, I don't know. I just, I've always heard I ain't afraid of no ghost. And I just thought it was something that came from the 80s. I, people reference pop culture shit around me so often that I just kind of like, I 90% of the time have no idea where the source material is, but I've just heard it in context enough that I still find enjoyment. Were there lines in this movie? Because there are definitely some lines that have transcended. Yes. Um, so were there lines in this movie that you went, that's what that's from. Yes. Yes. The whole um, only Zool that, mm. you know, like, because my husband will sometimes. And again, like I said, I swear he's contemplating mild divorce at this point <laughs> because there's been other times where he'll be like, um, no milk, only Zool. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. The fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, after this many years, I just kind of go, you're weird. And I still love you, but okay. Yeah. Like the, so yes, that one, the um, dogs and cats, the, like that whole Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria line definitely pops up a lot in just, you know, day-to-day -day internet interactions. Yeah. Uh, it's true. This man has no dick. It's probably the most famous joke from the movie. <laughs> yeah. If I had to pick one, that's probably the one that. Um, all like, right. Then uh, um, Venkman, we got a live one or something like that. I've, I've heard that one before. Um, you are running in very different circles then because these are ones that I don't hear. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard that. Venkman, we got a live one. And I'm like, okay, didn't know. I mean, which, where else would there be a character named Venkman? So, of course, yeah. it's a movie, but again. <laughs> oh, I just realized, okay, I have three, now I have three things in my head about the movie that I want to say, but I realized I did that thing I hate when podcasts do, where I started something and then didn't finish it. It was back when we were talking about the third mortgage thing, that that scene mm was making the rounds a couple years ago on Twitter as a shining example of delivering exposition in a way that felt natural, like how much information that they convey very quickly after they get kicked out of the university, like that whole sequence of like, here's where they've been getting their funding. Here's the new problem. Here's how they're in a way that isn't like, you know, a lot of movies do with, you yeah. know, ever since this, ever since my brother that and I, true. That and is true. It's like, yeah, it is. It does. It does feel like a very natural. Like we have a lot of things we need to sum up really quick. How are they going to get the money to do this? Why don't they have the money to do this? Other than like, mm -hmm. 
Well, boom, and boom, as, boom, 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 yeah. 90 seconds. We're done. Let's bust ghosts. Well, yeah, because and they did it because like they didn't spoon feed. I completely agree with you because he said, you know, uh, my parents left me that house. I grew up in that house. Everybody has a third mortgage. Yeah. Boom. Done. Yeah. And, and I, that was, yeah, I agree. A couple with good gags. It. And yeah, it's something I hadn't thought about before. And it's something we've made fun of on this podcast plenty of times. Like, you know, oh, you know, he's ever since you're. You know, ever since my parents died, that you've been like a brother to me. It's like, et cetera, yep. et cetera. Yep. Nobody talks like that. I, I do have to agree that that has quickly since, because um, I do listen sporadically to this podcast and it's talked about so often that I've really picked up on it more now. And that has to be one of the uh, biggest pet peeves when we're watching anything now or even just if I'm reading a book or use of character names. Oh my God. Like, I'm sorry. We've been having a conversation for what, 45 minutes almost now. And I have yet to say anything about, well, Sean, well, Sean, yes, Sean. God, that drives me nuts. It's a habit. I'm even breaking my children out of because it'll just be (laughs) me and the one kid in the room and they'll daddy for every sentence. Oh, it's only me here. You Mm -hmm, don't need to mm -hmm. see daddy, but you know, nicely, but like, yep. Oh, my child. After the 18th daddy, it's like, you don't have to say daddy. I'm the only one here. I know you're talking to me. My child does the exact same thing. Hey, mom. Hey, mommy. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. Hey, mom. You are telling me a story. We do not have to punctuate with hey, mom. (laughs) I didn't leave during any of this. Still just me. So, yes, just that's that's kind of my public service announcement. If you are a creator of any sorts and you have dialogue, you need 95 percent less character names. (laughs) Truly, if if not even (laughs) probably more than that. Yeah, honestly, because it's just not how people talk. Nobody, you like, I, I mean, I again, soapbox, but I mean, even think about it this way like, when anybody just picture when you are talking to your significant other or a loved one in a given day, how often do you say their name? If you were talking well, to them, well, my not wife about and them. I, if it's just the two of us in a room, never, right? But if and if the kids are around, we refer to each other as mommy and daddy. Yep. So I probably haven't actually spoken my wife's real name aloud to her yep. in five years. Exactly. Exactly. Because you don't. It's weird. Unless like, you know, you're having like a I can't say her actual name. So for right. the sake of this anecdote, let's say that it's Brenda. <laughs> if you're doing like a fake scolding thing, I think it's right. the only time I can think of where it's like, you know, something I was like, <gasps> Brenda, how could you? Right. But that is so few and far between. And yeah, anyway, not this isn't even an issue in this movie, but apparently I'm just very passionate about it. So moving on. No, it's it's yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things that once you notice it, you never stop. Noticing it's terrible. It. It, and like that is one of the um, what is it? It's oh, what's the show? The CW shows. The CW mm. shows are fucking notorious for that. And it drives me bug shit. So anybody go watch a CW show and take a shot. Yeah. Or don't let's be honest. But if you do take a shot, every time somebody says a name in a conversation to the person who is the owner of said name, I do not endorse this, this endeavor. I do not want to instill harm on anybody who was listening to this show. Yeah. Cause it's it's to be back next week. It's not good, but anyway, so. Uh, the other th- question I, I, I was going to raise is about, uh, I guess, specifically the EPA guy, because every now and then a thread starts making its way around the Internet because 
I've, I, I'm pretty sure there's only eight topics of conversation that exist and the internet just rotates through them. Mm-hmm. What's a movie everyone likes that you think sucks? It's like, oh, I guess that's been two days. So let's go back to that. Fucking today, the, the woman's Jurassic World death is part of the discourse again. It's like, we're already back to this. We just did this. This death is overkill. It's like, oh, my God, we're already back to that. But anyway, one of those eight topics is like, what's a character that as an adult, you've realized, oh, you're actually the correct one here. And the examples are always like Mrs. Doubtfire, because as a kid, you watch Mrs. Doubtfire and you're like, I want Robin Williams to get Sally Field. And then as an adult, you go, oh, Pierce Brosnan is so much better for her. Holy shit. Liar, liars. The same thing. We watch Liar, Liar right before we started doing this podcast, which is why it doesn't have an episode because that one exists in written form before we decided to do it in audio where you watch that as a kid and go, thank God that Jim Carrey and her are back together. But as an adult, you're like, man, Carrie always deserved way better. Yep. And so this movie has been mentioned as one of those. Well, I mean, yeah, as a kid, you're like, oh my God, this asshole let all the ghosts out. But as an adult, it's like, is just kind of doing his job. I just wanted to see what your take on that was. If you were I, like, fuck this asshole. If you were like, no. I mean, he does have a point. They should have just cooperated. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think he also mannerisms because mm. again, this is the whole, that whole adage of you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. So, I mean, I think if he would have come into it in a more professional manner, instead of with his dick swinging, it probably would have worked better, but then you wouldn't have had, you know, the whole discourse that was, why he was the villain yeah. uh but no i agree with you i he was just doing his job um, i didn't say I, I said i said that's what the internet said <laughs> I, also, I still think fuck that asshole do think though that i appreciate that he was doing his job but i also feel like did you do any kind of critical thinking analysis of what kind of repercussions were going to be happening because when you just killed the power what did you think was going to happen so yeah I'm, I'm like on that one. I'm like, I can appreciate you're doing your job, but at the same time, regardless of whether or not you're doing your job, you still need to engage critical thinking skills. Yeah. And if the A plus B doesn't look like it's going to equal C, speak up. Because I don't think you get to also just push the buck and be like, somebody told me to. Well, cool. That's not how the world should work. So easy for me to say. The actor William Atherton also hated the aftermath of this movie because people hated that character so much he couldn't go anywhere in public without people being like hey dickless oh you know what that would be yep uh yeah people people be crazy even in yeah even 40 years ago people took mm -hmm. their shit way too seriously because you still hear that that's a thing that happens now Mm -hmm. if there's two characters that people like on a show and a third character does something bad to them that actor will be like yeah people go i'll go in public be like how fucking dare you do that to marge it's like what yep yeah so if nothing else the internet has just made it easier to find out the crazy yep so it's always been there thanks internet yep thank you you know who actually I do agree with more, though, is the dude who kicked them out of the university when he li- lays out all yes. his reasons why. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs> no. you, yeah, you did what made the most sense for your institution, sir. Yeah, that one I, I don't question at all. And that, can you imagine having Bill Murray, that, that character of Bill Murray, as an employee, quote unquote? Well, the only scene we've seen him, he's like, 
he's getting actual like interest potentially interesting results but he's just throwing it aside because he wants, he wants to, get, to get some yep so yeah when he's like you're you know your findings are ridiculous and your methods are questionable it's like i mean we have seen firsthand that this is accurate so yeah you're yeah. you're in you're doing the right thing and if anything i judge you for not doing it sooner yep like yep. we Very like right. these guys because we know them but at the same time Although the university is probably pretty bummed out later when, well, you know what? Probably worked out okay. You'll find out in the sequel. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Do I have any? Because, I mean, this is one of those movies where we don't, that's why we didn't bother with the plot synopsis. We don't need to go mm. beat for beat of like, okay, and then this scene happens. So I just kind of wanted to pick your brain more about what it was like to, to come at it. Because if there's one era of comedy that seems dependent on having watched it as a kid seems like it's the eighties based on my experience with this podcast and my life. I, I agree with that. I also think that this movie treaded that line um, between the slapstick. Cause you know, like the wild piano music as they're running away from the librarian ghost and Rick Moranis as he's running out of the apartment building and jumps over the wall. I mean, there's enough of that, slapstick-esque you know three stooges type that i can see how it really appeals to children but then again it's also where when you start listening to the actual dialogue and you start listening to it and trying to piece stuff together as an adult it's funny yeah because yeah like i mean they buffed marshmallow man you know there was that um the illusion that it was coming which which me over the head and i didn't catch it which by the way sorry to get sidetracked but i don't want to forget the concept of empty your mind, keep your mind blank is <laughs> no! ridiculous. As soon as you tell me, like the instant you tell me to empty my mind, it explodes. Yeah, we like yeah immediately. Like everybody, clear your thoughts. Like immediately, just like why am I picturing cups. a blue frog in a tutu at that? It, yeah, it's like ooh. you can't tell me their minds were blank. They were probably no. they. Dan Aykroyd just got the thought in first. Like there's no way that is. <laughs> And in, uh, an insane ask and exercise. Yes. And I fully appreciated, like, I liked the fact that uh, they that's that's what he landed on because, I mean, everybody likes them. How bad could it be? And then I loved the fact that it was the Stay Puff uh, face, just the happy-go-lucky marshmallow. Yep. And then all you could hear was this growling. <laughs> so the juxtaposition of that was great. But as a kid, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on some of that stuff so i i thought that this movie did well that watching it now like i said there's questionable bits that i kind of went but it wasn't questionable enough that i couldn't separate it from the overarching premise of the movie and then still enjoy what i saw and and the fact that i would still be comfortable showing this to my son maybe with a little bit of a narration but i would still be comfortable showing this to my son because it hasn't crossed that line so thoroughly yeah it's also just i'm trying i'm trying to think of an example but i feel like we don't really get movies like this by which i mean it is largely a comedy Mm -hmm. but it is a comedy with like a high concept a big budget like visual effects, like still kind of trying to tell a story. Like I'm trying to think of examples of that kind of thing now where you're like, remember shit like when Jim Carrey was peak Jim Carrey and something like Bruce Almighty, like this big high concept Jim Carrey comedy could get a big summer release with an insane budget. I 
I don't think that's a thing anymore. No. No, I mean... Aside from when you make a new Ghostbusters movie. And even then, the new Ghostbusters movie is... I would hesitate to call it a comedy. It's like it's oh. a sci-fi movie with some funny parts in it. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, yeah it, it was weird. Because you're right. So many times I think comedy is just shoehorned in as a subplot to another higher component where it's just funny bits in a drama or funny bits in a thriller where but there's very few true comedies that aren't that are good honestly granted i did reference cocaine bear earlier which doesn't have a very high budget but i would point to as sort of that high concept comedy but again no i'm thinking the one i can only think of right now because it's currently is dungeons and dragons i think i haven't seen it but it seems like it it seems like it would fall in that category i think it's like largely a comedy but with set pieces and so actually that's kind of a great example so there is one at least dungeons and dragons at least to my understanding but i feel like if you went back over the last few years and was like what are some of the big tentpole summer movies you're not going to find comedies you're going to find fucking marvel movies you're going to find marvel movies and barbie this year which i'm really excited about actually. oh yeah that is and actually that might be a comedy that might be a uh, might be a high concept comedy a, i think it is okay never mind Sorry for wasting everyone's time. <laughs> Apparently it's still a thing. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, I was just looking good. at the top movies to see if I could find something. And I just wanted to side note this because I find this fascinating in the level of box office tracking in 18th place this week at the box office was violent night, which is fascinating because what movie theater is still playing violent night post Easter. Wow. But it's also fascinating because oh. would you like to guess how much money it made? Uh, hit me. 250 bucks. And I find <laughs> it insane that we are tracking to that Disney. level of on Wednesday, April 12th, Violent Night in its fourth month of its 132nd day of release made $250. But okay, at the same time, though, when my husband and I were running errands today, we drove by and I happened to look at a house as we were driving by and they had a full on lit up Christmas tree still in their front living room window, full swag, like they didn't even try to turn it into like an Easter tree or some excuse for why they still had it up. So you know what, maybe some people are still just in that Christmas spirit. I think at that point, it's do you even take it down once it's right. still up in mid-April? I, I mean, let's be honest. We're a third of the way through the year, almost. Like, just, just probably just let it ride. My grandma used to leave it up until July. Yeah, I know but at least one family it. who leaves it up, and then they just do holiday appropriate. Oh, it's Easter, so we'll chuck a bunch of Easter eggs on the Christmas tree. We'll chuck a bunch of hearts on the Christmas tree. We'll chuck a bunch of pumpkins on the Christmas Like, okay. I mean, yeah. No, Seems like much- more effort than just putting the Christmas tree away. but right. But no, my grandma would literally just leave it in the corner, wouldn't touch it, be completely decked out in the swag and all that stuff until my dad would get to the point where he's like, Ma, we're taking it down. It is July 16th. <laughs> I mean, at that point. Right. All right. Well, we're pretty off now, but uh, yeah, Ghostbusters. That's a, that's a good movie. Yes, I enjoyed it. I would I would say that I would give that probably a four out of five stars. I mean, for me, it's a five. But Oh, yeah. But you also have the nostalgic base, and that always gives yeah. at least two stars just as a flat basis. Yeah. Because even if it's the most problematic, horrible movie that you watch as an adult, if you enjoyed it as a kid, you'd still be like, oh, I'm going to give it two stars. 
I can't think of an example offhand I, from I our 250-ish episodes where that was proven to be not true, but I feel like it's got to be in there. Like, yeah, it definitely, there's a few things you pick up more on, like we were saying, how as a kid, like, Venkman's so cool, and as an adult, you're like, I appreciate him as a character, and a lot of the stuff he's saying is funny, but if I was working with this guy in real life, I would be very, very upset. Yep, or if he just was pursuing me that hard as somebody I had hired, I'd be like, wow, you're fired. Yeah. I know that you're the niche business and you can't, nobody else can help me, but I will just deal with Zool in my icebox. Well, I mean, the Ghostbusters HQ does not have an HR department. So no, that is a fair point. Like, I feel like it would just be Venkman wearing silly glasses and being like, I'm doing a character. There's an HR. Like, ah, fuck. Yep. Yeah. That, that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something you're currently enjoying. Um, kind of a tough one we've been really in a drought lately we did watch the last of us a while uh, ago. i haven't even started it. oh my god it's good it is good i had never played the movies i knew nothing about it it was good i really enjoyed the characterization i really enjoyed how they focused on different characters that were completely outside of the main characters and it was just oh, i really really liked it it was good. I enjoyed the hell out of it. I'm excited for season two in the next like seven years when it finally comes around. I'm just looking at what I've watched recently to see if anything stands out. I think I called out the movie Missing on last week's episode. And I'm also pretty sure I called it the Mario movie on last week's episode. So I kind of fucked myself. Why didn't you just wow. pick a lane and save the other <laughs> one for the following week? It's like, yeah, what else am I doing? Happen once a week. <laughs> like, I'm still playing the Resident Evil 4 remake. It's very long, but I'm still really enjoying it and kind of am okay with it not ending anytime soon. So the only thing I don't think I've called out is that the new Puss in Boots movie goes real hard and is shockingly good. Really? Which I'd already kind of heard on the Ooh. internet. Lots of talk about, hey, the 12 years later sequel to the Shrek spinoff is actually really good. I'll be and it is. We, we were going to pitch watching it with our kids because they were invited to go see it in the theater in February. And I was like, I think it's going to scare them and I don't want to break them before we see the Mario movie. Mm -hmm. And then I got it at home. It was like, maybe we can watch it with them. And then I was like, well, I've heard it's actually kind of scary. I guess some friends of ours took their older kids and their older kids were freaked out. So we watched it. And as soon as the villain showed up, which is a wolf carrying two scythes with blood red glowing eyes who whistles every time he enters a scene like this creepy silent silence is always penetrated by a creepy whistle and then a glowing eyed wolf with two sides comes in mm. we're like this would have destroyed them oh no 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 mm -mm. so as well, two as two grown adults it always feels kind of weird to be like let's sit down and watch puss in boots together but like it's super good and it absolutely would have broken our children so it was yeah. the right move well, and then and, and just because we're talking about kids stuff, my, my son has been super into Spirit Rangers on Netflix right now. Don't know it's, it. I don't know a whole lot about it, but they've got some catchy songs and it's about um, uh, three Native American children that are in uh, a state park or a national park and it's about their spirit animals and talking about some of the native american cultures in a really cool like almost superhero way and it like lots of fun colors and he just adores that show right now and i it's really cool because it's a premise that i haven't seen explored before in other children's shows and it's you know it's interesting to see that now and like my kid 
we are not Native American. But the fact that he's like super into it, it's super interesting. I, I don't know. I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. Noted because we're probably going to be in the market for something new soon because we've been doing a lot of Bluey, which is still totally okay, mm-hmm. and a lot of number blocks. And I feel like pretty oh, soon God, we're number blocks. Yes. Pretty soon there's going to be burnout and we're going to be like, what if we watch this? And that has yep. backfired on us in the past. So, but no, it's spirit. Rangers. It's, it's good. And it's got, like I said, some good music. It's got a lot of colors and there's a pretty good, like a conservation lesson in every episode. So I mean, it, it's solid. And it, it so far we haven't seen any kind of scary imagery or anything like that. So I'd recommend okay. it. Noted. Well, that's Ghostbusters. Thank you, AK, for joining me here today. I'm always happy when I can introduce you to something, you know, good. Although I feel like, and- <laughs> your, I feel like your track record is decent. It is. I think the only abysmal one you've ever made me watch is that goddamn Christmas wedding planner. And I still think about that movie every yeah, time. Exactly. Like, it lives rent-free in my head, and I'm I so was, mad at you. I was describing the ending of that movie to someone <laughs> not even that long ago, like post-Christmas this calendar year. Yeah. I was like, have you seen this thing? Oh, my God. Yep. Let me tell you I all mean, about it. We watched that thing almost 18 months ago, and it still lives in my head rent-free. Yeah. So, nope, your track record is perfect, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'm not that mad about it. You're doing better than many. Um, <laughs> what do we have coming up? We have, um, I think Rob and I are going to take a look at some UK game shows next week, because we haven't any, you know, haven't covered anything from Rob's youth specifically in a while. So, I'm always interested to see what they, their game shows seem way better than ours. So <laughs> I know I'm nothing about it, so I will that. tune in and listen. Um, and then it sounds like uh, Dead Silence is on the on the way, the creepy puppet movie, which I'm very excited about. I haven't seen that in a while. And I've, seen it. I've been singing its praises for a long time. And boy, that would be a real egg on my face moment if for the last 10 years I've been like, oh, fucking Dead Silence, man. It's so good. And then I watch it and go, huh. So that should be fun. Um I'm trying, I want to do Dr. Giggles, but no one else does. Oh my God. My husband fucking loves that movie. That was the first horror movie he made me watch when we got together like 18 years ago. You've seen Dr. Giggles. I just I introduced you to Giggles. Ghostbusters as the only person who hasn't seen it, but I have to cross you off the Dr. Giggles short list because you're the one person I know who has. <laughs> You are an enigma wrapped in a puzzle, wrapped in a mystery, AK. Yay! You know what? Uh, We got to call it there. (laughs) AK is going to take us out with a classic quote from Ghostbusters. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Oh, that was another surprise. That was not the one you said you were going to do. Yes, it is. That's exactly what I said. Oh, it was. Oh, never mind. Pay attention, Sean. Predictable, then. So for all those things nostalgic, I ask, so do we still like these?